Chapter Fourteen of Christmas A Story. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Christmas A Story by Zona Gale. Chapter Fourteen. At his gate in the street wall lined with snow-bowed lilacs and mulberries, Ebenezer Rule waited in the dark for his two friends to come back. He had found Kate Carr in his kitchen methodically making a jar of Christmas cookies. "'You've got to eat if it is Christmas,' she had defended herself in a whisper. And to her stupefaction, he had dispatched her to Mary Chavez with her entire Christmas baking in a basket. I don't believe they've got near enough for all the folks I see going, he explained it. While he went within doors, he had left the hobby horse in the snow close to the wall, and he came back there to wait. The street had emptied. By now, everyone had gone to Mary Chavez. Once he caught the gleam of lanterns down the road and heard children's voices singing. For some time he heard the singing, and after it had stopped he fancied that he heard it. Startled, he looked up into the wide night lying serene above the town, and not yet become vexed by the town's shadows and interrupted by their lights. It was as if the singing came from up there. But the night kept its way of looking steadily beyond him. It came to Ebenezer that the night had not always been so unconscious of his presence. The one long ago, for example, when he had slept beneath this wall and dreamed that he had a kingdom. Those other nights when he had wandered abroad with his star-glass. Then the night used to be something else. It had seemed to meet him, to admit him. Now he knew, and for a long time had known, that when he was abroad in the night he was there, so to say, without its permission. As for men, he could not tell when relation with them had changed, when he had begun to think of them as among the externals. But he knew that now he ran along the surface of them and let them go. He never met them as others, as belonging to countless equations of which he was one term, and they playing that wonderful near role of other. Thus he had got along, as if his own individuation were the only one that had ever occurred, and as if all the mass of mankind, and the night and the day, were undifferentiated from some substance all inimical, then this vast egoism had heard itself expressed in the mention of Bruce's baby, the third generation. But by the great sorcery wherewith nature has protected herself, this mammoth sense of self, when it extends unto the next generations, becomes a keeper of the race. Ebenezer had been touched, relaxed, disintegrated, here was an interest outside himself which was yet no external. Vast, level reaches lay about that fact, and all long unexplored. But these were peopled. He saw them peopled, 
as in the cheer and stir within the house where that night were gathered his townfolk, his neighbors, his hands. He had thought that their way of meeting him, if he chose to go among them, would matter nothing. Abruptly now he saw that it would matter more than he could bear. They were in there at Mary's, the rooms full of little families getting along as best they could, taking pride in their children, looking ahead, looking ahead. And they would not know that he understood. He could not have defined offhand what it was that he understood, but it had, it seemed, something to do with Letty's account book and Bruce's baby. Gradually he let himself face what it was that he was wanting to do, and when he faced that he left the hobby-horse where it was under the wall and went into the street. He took his place among the externals of the winter night, himself unconscious of them. The night, with all its content, a thing of explicable fellowships, lay waiting patiently for those of its children who knew its face. In the dark and under the snow, the very elements of earth and life were obscured, as in some clear wash correcting too strong values. He moved along the village, and now his dominant consciousness was the same consciousness in which that little village lived. But he knew it only as the impulse that urged him on toward Jenny's house. If he went to Jenny's, if he signified so that he wished not to be cut off from her and Bruce and the baby, if he asked Bruce to come back to the business, these meant a lifetime of modification to the boys' ideals for that business, and modification to the lives of the hands back there in Mary Chava's house, and to something else. What else? he asked himself. Mechanically he looked up and saw the heavens crowded with bright watchers. In that high field one star, brighter than the others, hung over the little town. He found himself trying to see the stars as they had looked to him years ago, when they and the night had seemed to mean something else. What else? he asked himself. The time did not seem momentous, it was only very quiet. Nothing new was there, nothing different, it had always been so. The night lay in a sovereign consciousness of being more than just itself. Do you think that you are all just you and nothing else? it was seen to be compassionately asking. What else? Ebenezer asked himself. He did not face this yet, but in that hour which seemed pure essence, with no attenuating sound or touch, he kept on up the hill toward Jenny's house. Mary Chava left ajar the door from the child's room to the room where, in the dark, the tree stood. He had wanted the door to be ajar, so the things I think about can go back and forth, he had explained. In the dining-room she wrapped herself in the grey shawl and threw up the two windows. New air swept in, cleansing, replacing, prevailing. 
Her guests had left her early, as is the way in Old Trail Town. Then she had had her first moments with the child alone. He had done the things that she had not thought of his doing, but had inevitably recognized, had delayed his bed-going, had magnified and repeated the offices of his journey, had shown her the contents of his pockets, had repeatedly mentioned by their first names his playmates in Idaho, and shown surprise when she asked who they were. Mary stood now by the window, conscious of a wonderful thing, that it seemed as if he had been there always. In the clean inrush of the air she was aware of a faint fragrance coming to her once and again. She looked down at her garden, lying wrapped in white and veiled with black, like some secret being. Three elements were slowly fashioning it, while the fourth, a soft fire within her, answered them. The fragrance made it seem as if the turn of the year were very near, as if its prophecy, evident once in the October violets in her garden, were come again. But when she moved, she knew that the fragrance came from within the room, from Ellen Bourne's Christmas rose blossoming on the table. Above, her eye fell on the picture that Jenny had brought to her on that day when she had all but emptied the house, as if in readiness. Almost she understood now the passionate expectation in that face, not unlike the expectation of those who in her dream had kept saying, You. There was a movement in her garden and on the walk, footsteps. The three men stepped into the rectangle of lamplight. Abel Ames and Simeon, who had left the party a little before the others, and, hurrying back with the gifts that they planned, had met Ebenezer at his gate, getting home from Jenny's house. In Abel's arm was something globed, like a little world. In Simeon's, the tall, grey-gowned St. Nicholas taken from the exchange window, the lettered sign absent, but the little flag still in his hand. And Ebenezer was carrying the hobby-horse. If at him the other two had wondered somewhat, they had said nothing, in that fashion of treating the essential, which is as peculiar to certain simple, robust souls as to other kinds of great souls. "'Has the boy gone to bed?' Abel asked without preface. "'Yes,' Mary answered. "'He has. I'm sorry.' "'Never mind,' Simeon whispered. "'You can give him these in the morning.' Mary, her shawl half-hiding her face, stooped to take what the three lifted. "'They ain't presents, you know,' Abel assured her positively. "'They're just—well, just to let him know.' Mary set the strange assortment on the floor of the dining-room, the things that were to be nothing in themselves, only just to let him know. "'Thank you for him,' she said gently, "'and thank you for me,' she added. Ebenezer fumbled for a moment at his beaver hat and took it off. Then the other two did so to their firm-fixed caps, and with an impulse that came from no one could tell whom, the three spoke— the first time hesitatingly, the next time together and confidently. 
Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, they said. Mary Chava lifted her hand. Merry Christmas, she cried. End of chapter 14 End of Christmas A Story by Zona Gale Recording by Christine Dufour, Pioneer, California Merry Christmas